Warning, this program contains explicit content, including graphic violence, nudity, sexual innuendo, sexual in my endo, and blowjobs. So please don't watch this if you're under 18 or my auntie loves that. Viewer discretion is advised. Dance the night away, live your life and stay young on the Problems yeah. <laughs> and like all the like <laughs> tedium of like recording. So right. I like doing episodes where there's like 15 minutes of talking about how Zoom won't work. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. We, we always have technical problems whenever we have a guest on. This well, is like yeah, the first time fucking we're fucking like, stupid. I like there's that's the thing is like the whole democratization of podcasting thing has made it so like everyone every fucking retard with a laptop like has a chance to do it. Right. And I never should have been allowed behind GarageBand because I can't figure it out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I would have no idea how to do it if it weren't for my brother. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I would be. People don't know how hard it is to record a phone conversation and Seriously. release it to the public. Truly, <laughs> it's, I have it's no idea. And knowing how is undignified. I hate having to like have the conversation yeah. at the end where it's like me and a bunch of faggots like back and forth mm-hmm. talking about like Lady Gaga, and then at the end I'm like, do you want me to slap a peak limiter on that? It makes me feel like a yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm super impressed that I like can get asked on shows and be like, "Do you want me to record my audio?" Yeah, like you know, like, like say the word audacity, which yeah. now this operating system update has taken from me because audacity doesn't work. No god, uh, but I'm recording in QuickTime. Perfect. QuickTime. <laughs> um, well, okay, so I guess we're both, we're live, baby. We're Woo! back. We're back. Um. So we're joined today by an extremely special guest, someone who I've followed for a long time. Um, I think maybe even pre Perfume Nationalist, but um, it was. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of your show, the kind of all your Twitter twittering, and we're joined by the one and only Jack from the Perfume Nationalist. Woo! How are ya? Thanks for having me. I'm terrific. Good. This is my first day off of work in nine days. Oh my god, nice. Yeah, I also um, I <laughs> heard that you had to endure the crazy Texas shit where no one had any water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, most importantly that delayed recording of podcasts, which uh, <laughs> is the the biggest tragedy out of all of this. Right. But yeah, uh, I didn't have water for four days. Oh um, god, I had to go. The most humiliating thing of my life was going to work. Like, you know, in a tie and shirt, like, unshowered for three days, wearing a stupid mask. Oh, my God. Filthy in front of people. Was, yeah, exactly. Yeah, was, but, you know, we're, we were pretty lucky. It's just sad. I was walking around the neighborhood today, and everyone's, like, big cactuses that they planted in their lawns are all dead. Like, oh dead God. palm trees. <laughs> oh, my God. That Every, sucks. Yeah, I mean, it's never happened. Like, yeah. that literally never happens. It's like a hurricane hitting Colorado or something. And right. everybody was like, why were they prepared? And that's because it literally <laughs> never happens. And it was yeah, fake. Exactly. And the Democrats took a Mr. Freeze machine and fucking <laughs> 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 Yeah, I was having a field day scrolling through all the little clips of people taking lighters to the snow and being oh like, it's burning. It's burning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pressy. The biggest problem with me was just being dirty and like having oh to God. deal with like, you know, not having having indoor 
plumbing. I was yeah. like, I'd mm-hmm. rather the power go off. I'm fine with being cold. <laughs> yeah. I just want water. Totally. Right. It dealt a huge blow to the hyperhidrosis community. Right, I haven't had water yeah, in exactly. weeks. God damn, I only have so much degree men. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, fuck. The fuck am well, I have you used certain dry? Because certain dry, whatever Swedish chemical they put in that will kill your sweat glands forever. Is that like sweat they, block? Uh, it's whatever pure antiperspirant ingredient that like they tell you not to use. They sell this at like Walmart and everything. Yeah, <laughs> but you put it on like once a month or something for a while, yes, and yes, like yes. you you undergo some horrible like American Werewolf in London transformation <laughs> and. Your skin is like red and yeah. your armpits are burning and you're yeah. like, well, I shouldn't have done this. But then a month goes by and you're not sweating anymore. Exactly. So. It always, it's been like three years since I used it and yeah. I don't sweat anymore. I've done it oh, one shit. time and I had um, the, it, it feels like there's like a thin piece of cellophane under your underarms for like a whole <laughs> month. It's just like stretching and like uh, uh, wrinkling as you walk. Mm, um, yeah. Horrible. Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. I've tried everything though. I've been a, a chronic sweater my whole life and I for a while I used... Um, Mitchum, which is sort of like the chosen deodorant of people over sixty, and um, yeah. I could, I it was working for me forever, and then I had to stop using it because it smells like jizz. It does smell like jizz. That's what I like about it. It smells like inkjet too. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, like I, a printer. I really, I don't use deodorant often anymore because I like bathe so much, um, and I really, <laughs> since I wear so much fragrance, I am really irritated by the smell of like deodorants. They're designed to be so strong. Yeah. Um, but. Mitchum, I did used to use that. Totally. I also have to credit you for sending me on the fragrance journey of a lifetime because I was truly in the dark on all this stuff. And prior to listening to your show, I'd like truly, I'd been praying by this one disgusting cologne that I bought when I was like 15 and it was Playboy New York. It's That's this awesome like, though. Yeah, it was like, um, <laughs> it's this purple, uh, it's really, it comes in, it used to come in a really pretty bottle. And since it's gotten less popular, they've downgraded to this like kind of ugly, like, screen printed wrap around like Marshall's packaging mm. but at the time it was really cute and it smells like it's like apple and vanilla and vinyl and it's like so so cute and I loved it but it's really like clubby. I love cheap fragrances yeah and I love that I've, I always see those like playboy like body sprays and stuff and the at the drugstore and at Walmart I don't know if they still have them as much but yeah they always remind me of like fun times in the 2000s <laughs> when, totally like, everybody was like Paris Hilton like had like playboy yeah bullshit. definitely but, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was very like um it's kind of it was it was like projecting into being like it was it was a fragrance that you could wear if you were going clubbing but i was like 14 so it was me being like i wish i could go to a bar while your love is my drug is number one in the country <laughs> yeah I but i can't that. so i have to live out my little fantasy with the fragrance <laughs> i just have to put on my perfume yeah, put your, right. put your yeah when on. i was 14 i was wearing patchouli all the time so people were always like what what is that pepper smell it smells like <laughs> i got used to the comments really early yeah I've since pivoted to Angel at your recommendation. Oh, uh, which is a patchouli scent. Yeah, yeah. Angel. It's a good uh, perfume red pill. Yes. It's easy for people to get into because the advertising imagery is so uh, spectacular. And, yeah. You, know, you can easily like associate the smell with Mugler's designs. Exactly. Yeah, I was, I was very... Um, I think... I've never really had much of an upbringing that involved like going to department stores and really being around like the cute bottles. Like it's all been like drugstore cheap shit. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the bottle for Angel, I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what the hell? What the fuck is going on in here?" Yeah, it's so. crazy. And when that came out, there was literally nothing like it. Nothing smelled like it. There was it, it was uh, the most unlikely success story ever. Yeah, um, you know. And here's this 
BO and chocolate perfume and a blue horizontal star bottle that like gradually develops a huge cult following and then everything imitated it after that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, for the divas at home who don't know, <laughs> obviously your podcast is dedicated mostly to uh it's basically like it, it's it pairs it pairs films films of the past films of the present and with fragrances and it's sort of about like i i correct me if i'm wrong here but it's sort of like the ones that would most be closely associated with kind of the yeah of the movie. It's, it's usually movies sometimes books sometimes video games just different media um but it's something that i've decided to associate with the media for some reason, usually the time period that it's in or just like a feeling that it evokes or the advertising imagery. So there's always some kind of connection that I'm trying to create between right. the media mm-hmm. and the fragrance. And yeah. I know it's been kind of like, um, oh, I'm losing my train of thought. It's, I'm sure that you've said this before somewhere, but like, how did you even get into this whole thing? Because since the being scent pilled with the angel, I've been going down this whole rabbit hole. Of like, I didn't even know that so much of this, like, the whole fragrance obsession existed in such a way online. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And especially now since, uh, public life has ended, um, <laughs> yeah. getting into fra- fragrance, like, it, you know, all of this has actually been sort of good for fragrance in my opinion, because like, um, people no longer complain about strong scents, their performative allergies because everyone is in a mask and right. so used to everything smelling so comical so like chemical and disinfectant yeah right. um uh how did i get into it okay around like 2007 um perfume blogging and i guess blogging in general was a big thing um and luca turin and tanya sanchez released a book called perfumes the a to z guide um okay. that is a really good introduction to the history of fragrances, their reviews were really acerbic and funny and informative. And my friend got that and she started ordering uh, samples of weird stuff from Lucky Scent. And you're really like kind of not aware of uh, this whole world of niche perfumes if you've never thought about it. Like when I started, I thought like they distributed like every perfume just like at dillard's uh you know department (laughs) stores yeah and i was like you know calling like neiman marcus and like 2010 asking do you have scoparelli shocking which is like a perfume from like 1935 um and then gradually you figure out how it's distributed and stuff and uh but that book you know when people always ask me how you learn the basic framework of this stuff it's that book you just keep it buy multiple copies keep it by the toilet take it in the bathtub it's always fun to read i've been reading it over and over again for (laughs) 13 years yeah i mean it's it's um it gets down to this kind of thing that's like i think so many people are when you talk about the performative allergies thing (laughs) yeah i feel like people have been so truly like desensitized to not only smelling the what you were talking about like the sort of sanitary disgusting like windex smell at all times mm-hmm. but also just like their own fucking breath right <laughs> it's yeah. Like, yeah that's a big uh theme of my show is that uh ever since performative allergies became the dominant like personality that people adopt especially white women Uh, since the 90s um, which came after smoking bans which really opened the floodgates for people to just kind of police the air and uh, feel very (laughs) special for 
being allergic to whatever is trendy, like as we saw with the gluten trend <laughs> yeah, of yeah, a few years ago. That's, you know, of course it's selective and it's, it's voluntary. Um, but most people have never even thought about fragrance as something other than to like erotically entice someone or to appear attractive. And like, I'm presenting them as worlds that you enter essentially safe drugs that you take. Yeah. Um, because there really is no more magical sense than the olfactory sense. And like when I was, when I started smelling like old Estee Lauder perfumes, like you do from the fifties, I was completely blown away. Cause I'm just like transported to, you know, like Joan Crawford's wardrobe or yeah, something totally. like it, it, And people take it totally for granted. Like they're mm-hmm. yeah. the average person's like conception of scent is basically like if you were to say about cheese, American cheese is the only good cheese, and all other cheese is disgusting. <laughs> so true, you know, because <laughs> it, it's embarrassing. Like uh, right. having any kind of like strong scent presence that's yeah. voluntary is embarrassing for Americans who are rooted in Puritanism. Totally, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of one of those the, the few things that I think has sort of remained untouched by a lot of the like neoliberal repackaging of so many things that are like everything has to be like sort of standard order like delivery service type shit where like i think perfume has in a lot of ways managed to stay untouched by that kind of thing where like if like the worst case scenario is like when you can like order a big box of like disgusting shit from sephora and like you know whatever like all Mm -hmm. the same three Mm -hmm. like um juicy couture scents basically and like if, yeah. I think a lot of times people have like it's it's managed to stay away from that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's still so much of it. If if the company uh, values its heritage in the way that like Estee Lauder or the best example is obviously Chanel, where right. Chanel perfumes are basically presented to you as close as it could be to you know 1925 because they value their heritage. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, a lot of you know, most other companies uh, more callously discontinue things uh, and uh, try to keep with the main line of what's trendy and profitable. But, like, it's a miracle that you can go to any Estee Lauder counter and pick up something like Youth Do or Azure, these things that are totally unfashionable now that smell ancient and complex and exciting and off-putting to people and are just from a completely different world yeah totally and, but most of all it's an affordable luxury like a mistake people make is thinking that uh, scent is some kind of uh, thing that just rich people have no the cost of like a bottle of chanel number no. five is like two uber eats meals right <laughs> you know right, people yeah, exactly. spend like 60 dollars like ordering a salad right exactly. on a weekday and then yeah. they're like oh i can't spend 140 dollars on something that will take me like five <laughs> years to use you know? right. exactly right yeah no i'm this is what i'm saying everyone has to set aside a little bit of their fucking shake shack budget and well, <laughs> get into something more rewarding the way that i always justify buying things is will you use it Per the dollar use. Let's say it's like God, this sweater yeah. was like 40 bucks and I'm going to wear it more than 40 times. Yeah, girl. So when it comes to like perfume or like <laughs> scents, it's like, yeah, you're probably going to use it more than 60 times, 80 times. Probably, well, yeah. Probably I mean, the other times, thing too is know, that yeah. people just don't have any respect for money. Like, I mean, which is, I think in some ways is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. that it's I like, don't believe money is real at all. I'm no. like, I'm, I'm poor. I, you know, work a service industry job. I, you know, if you have a podcast that attracts enough attention, people will accuse you of being a Brooklyn trust fund person, which is like <laughs> right. hilarious because yeah. I go uh, uh, sit at a security desk for 40 hours a week. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
But yeah, I just don't take money seriously. And of course, that's um, a bad thing long term because I'm not one of those like cautious people <laughs> with money saved up. Right. But yeah, guess what? I have a library of everything I've ever wanted and the libs are taking it all away. So Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Get it while it's hot. Especially hot-tick. now, Get especially like, you know, with the with the the lib panic over like we have to get every single person who disagrees with us offline right yeah, now right, exactly. you know, like a month ago uh, I was like okay that means that I'll buy everything that I've ever wanted because I'm gonna get thrown off Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, um, while it's coming in, why not get those yeah. box sets, bitch? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, that that's sort of the other, uh, the work of your show that I've also really valued is telling people to fucking buy their little DVDs and buy the CDs and whatever, because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, it's done in such a sly way where, like, you can't, like, if you aren't paying attention to where things are going, like, you just check and, like, certain entire movies will just be gone. Yeah. And, like, oh. you just can't. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> it's all gone. And, yeah. you know, I've been saying this for 10 years. And about 2010, when streaming started... And everybody was just so wowed by this miracle. And that was when streaming was still kind of good. Like, Netflix actually only had, like, three-hour unwatchable European art movies on it. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like, I I was saying, okay, don't get rid of your physical media because I saw where this was going, that they can pull things instantly. Yeah. And it will be gone forever. And yeah. now so many things are out of print. DVDs get more and more expensive, like stuff that you wouldn't even think of. Amazon mysteriously disappears certain things. <laughs> like, not even always for, like, political reasons, but, you know, often for that. Um, the first real instance I saw of it was the Roseanne controversy. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, where she I got canceled and yeah. then Roseanne was pulled from everything and no one must <laughs> ever <laughs> watch Roseanne. Holy and the guy shit, literally yeah. can't even, I cannot think of anything more inoffensive than fucking Roseanne. <laughs> right. I know. <laughs> yeah. that, it, that was like considered like a, a like gay rights, like lib show. Yeah. <laughs> In the 90s, like, it was one of the first like shows with a bunch of gay characters yeah. on it. Um, and all it takes is one little political controversy and they'll pull everything. And then it kept amping up, amping up, amping up, uh, most notably last year when, you know, at the start of the pandemic, they decided that was the time where they have to take the Land O'Lakes, Indian and Aunt Jemima and Uncle oh, Ben yeah. off the packaging. <laughs> That's right. Everything. Oh, my fucking God. And they also have to remove episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. You know, <laughs> like, which is like, who so, fucking cares? Literally, who cares? <laughs> yeah, the anything remotely touching on, and Thirty Rock, anything remotely right. touching on blackface, regardless of context, yeah, is pulled. And I'm just like, right, fuck this. Like, it feels good to be like vindicated that I was right the whole time, but then <laughs> yeah. I see these, these people like just just now coming you know these like big accounts now coming to the realization like buy stuff that you like and look (laughs) if you're a person who doesn't care about movies or media you don't need to buy anything lots of people i respect these people are just boring like dc is filled with these people that have no interest in art no interest in in movies whatever you don't need to buy stuff it's the crazy fags like me who like have to watch you know what the blackface episode of it's always sunny in philadelphia (laughs) that need to own this stuff right exactly God. Yeah, I mean... Because later you'll be paying... Okay, first it'll... You'll be paying $100 for it on eBay later, and then the libs will make it illegal to sell it on eBay. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, like, immediately buy The Simple Life all seasons on DVD. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're coming for Paris. They're coming for Paris. They're coming, yeah. Oh, Uh, after they... they, uh, 
remove Trump from office, I bought like two copies of like the Art of the Deal, and I bought the first season DVD of The Apprentice, which is the only one that they ever. Oh, and Home Alone too. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff is going to be just like yeah. contraband that you have to exactly. pay a million dollars for. Yeah, I'm gonna like uh, yeah, torrent that episode Apprentice of Sex and the DVD City. Is amazing. It, it like had like a. It's from the heyday of DVD when they were release like $90 sets of seasons of competition shows and you open it and originally it said like you're fired with this little sound thing oh god yeah. <laughs> like a little button to deploy it it's fucking yeah. hilarious I love <laughs> really that cute. I love that I spent um the last I spent this whole week someone ugh, okay this is why I need to get off of Twitter is because I keep being you said like, it once per episode yeah. <laughs> I keep being tricked into like okay so someone brought up Crystal Pepsi right someone brought oh, up yeah. Crystal Pepsi mm-hmm. and I bought some when they re-released it a few years well ago. yeah me too because uh, we were um in fr- we were in freshman year of college when they were rolling it back out they were like at Target yeah. and every time I went I was like I'm buying three and I'm drinking them immediately I don't care talk about medicinal now that shit tastes like fucking yeah, yeah exactly it's yeah. fucking great it's water yeah exactly. it might as <laughs> yeah, well it looks like water might as well be water <laughs> um and <laughs> and I was, someone brought it up and everyone was like, oh yeah, like I like remember, like bring this shit back. And of course they're not going to, but right. then I fixated on it and I developed this craving for this food that doesn't exist. So then I, <laughs> I went on eBay for like every single day this week looking to buy a case of Crystal Pepsi because people still have it. And it's like hundreds of dollars, hundreds oh. of dollars. Okay. You know, the best advice anyone ever gave me was to buy doubles of stuff that works for you that you like yeah obviously i do it with perfumes in case that i'm unable to source something that's an absolute favorite that i want to smell forever i buy multiples if i have the money but like clothing Mm -hmm. as well yeah which you know it doesn't entirely work because everything's like made in china with their like tiny hands so it'll be like a totally different size and you ordered the five of the same size but whatever right and Um, then that that doesn't even bring into account my fucked up body oh yeah there was a soda in the 90s called okay soda have you ever heard of this i have heard of that it was like a gen x like anti-soda and it was really cool and they only test marketed it in a few cities and austin was one (laughs) And, like, Daniel Klaus did, like, the packaging for it. Work. And it was, it intentionally tasted like a flat, like, suicide of every soda. Like, it was kind of gross. <laughs> flat um, And surprise of surprises, they discontinued it really quickly. But my sister was a huge fan of it. And she had, like, pallets of it, like, for, for like, three years after <laughs> pallets. that. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. Of the and OK soda. And I think soda. she still has some of the, like, merch, like, framed. <laughs> oh, my God. That's fucking funny. Well, what's, what's. <laughs> What's so funny is that I I'm I love honey buns like a classic hostess honey bun, and I will say like 15 years ago like they just don't taste the same like obviously oh. like whatever they were putting in it 20 years ago 15 they're, years ago yeah, is, like, they're not it, regulated you're, like, <laughs> the neutralizing the power of the honey bun day by day I'm right. telling you mm-hmm. the t- clock they're is really small now like y- mm-hmm. in like eighth grade and like the pre Michelle Obama school lunch days <laughs> when like, I would buy like a honey bun please every single day yeah it'd be yeah. like this big <laughs> face, and, face uh, size are larger now yeah. It's, yeah now it's like that and mm-hmm. it's like dry and shitty but like there have been a lot of really noticeable like bad reformulations of yeah. food mm-hmm. i've noticed it, uh, the craft macaroni and cheese after michelle obama waged her little campaign against yes. it and she said like that's not food they reformulated <laughs> it to be like natural 
Yeah. And it tastes like shit now. Well, it yeah. tastes like, like, unless you like, you have to do the seasoning yourself. Like the cheese packet is t- completely for show. There's no, <laughs> <laughs> there's no flavor inherent in the cheese powder at, at this point. It just has like turmeric in it. Yeah. Like, Ugh. Like, it's yeah. horrible. It's, it's like, like how you would like dye clay. <laughs> right. Like just gum complete. is really bad now too. Like yeah. I chew gum all day because I'm like obsessed with it being remembered as mm-hmm. someone who had bad breath once. So I don't even talk to anyone <laughs> unless I'm chewing gum. Um, <laughs> And gum has gotten really bad. Like they redid Trident Extra mm-hmm. all day. Yep. Now it's just this like yeah, this synthetically sweet. Goo. Yeah, Trident it tastes sucks. like fucking coolant. I just had I had um <laughs> what did I have the other day? Because <laughs> <laughs> I used to be a gum aficionado too, and they they nix all the fun flavors too. Yeah, I all those. I still have a pack of the Extra. I think it's like mint brownie sundae or whatever the f- like truly oh, horrific geez. flavor Absolutely. but it does it it's like and they yeah, discontinued yeah. all the rest like the peach cobbler one so i still have my fucking <laughs> stupid ass dessert extra gum i would never chew peach cobbler gum it was good, <laughs> it was it was good. i've always been yeah. obsessed with like failed flavors and like failed food experiments and stuff yep. that they discontinue <laughs> really quickly like i could read about that all day like yeah. i feel like the broader public has gotten into like uh new coke and like crystal pepsi and stuff like that but when i originally read about those uh it was just like oh i just want anything that like failed you totally. know and like when they made those like uh green ketchups and yes. <laughs> like, yeah yeah there would be a whole there was a whole shelf at target that Purple used to be like yeah and it would make you shit that color that's so <laughs> gross it's horrific i love to see like when chips do it like i just had a couple months ago, Lay's did like a carnitas flavor Ooh. or like street taco <laughs> flavor. And I'm such a fucking idiot for that shit because I'm going to buy it hands down. Right. Like the yeah. other day I got rotisserie chicken Pringles. <laughs> like we had um we had those Pringles that were literally Baconator flavored. Wendy's Baconator Pringles. And I, could, I couldn't handle that. That was mm-hmm. it literally like because like mm. they used to have cheeseburger Pringles that were sort of like the idea of a cheeseburger, like the essence of what was on it. So it was like a pickle, like the ketchup, soul of the whatever. Yeah, yeah, the soul of the cheeseburger, if you will. <laughs> and they've since pivoted to making it just taste like fucking meat, which that is um, yeah. no, not meat. something that oh, I want yeah. in a chip. Like ground beef lays. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are some really bad ones. I Though I love like the the avant-garde like weird flavors that they'll release i think those like um harry potter things kind of created a vogue for like gross flavors of stuff yeah yeah, so yeah. They're, like, those like Piss jelly bellies shit. that are like skunk and yeah uh, <laughs> the skunk <laughs> jelly belly was awesome it tasted exactly like the perfume bandit from the for- this leather perfume <laughs> it was great uh, but there's those like um the jones soda like the ones they put out at like thanksgiving that yeah the turkey, like, turkey and stuff yeah, the turkey like, soda I love stuff like that yeah yep. totally mm-hmm. i'm obsessed the with that Arson, you know gross yeah. flavor i love that shit if you go to the actual jelly belly factory they have a whole area there that they dedicate to being like fake botched jelly beans and they like make okay. these disgusting flavors on purpose and like obviously like half of them i'm sure are just the harry potter like earwax fucking you know pit, the piss and shit flavor yeah. but um <laughs> the, they would hermione's also, piss yeah <laughs> girl pee um it was like they haven't done a shit one yet i'm waiting yeah for no it. I want, no I want the sallow like just <laughs> shit jelly just a big just like, bag from yeah. the mall from the <laughs> blueberry raspberry and then shit yeah it's all it's all harry potter flavored and then feeding one the 120 days of sodom <laughs> feeding it to children <laughs> exactly where's the bravery people step it up <laughs> god damn 
But yeah, I, I remember when I went there when I was nine, they had um, a whole trough full of toothpaste flavored ones, and those were nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. liked those. Yeah. yeah like I like dumb. toothpaste anything. I like medicine. I'm a uh, medicine taste like Pepto Bismol. I'm yeah, like totally. Yeah. Black hole that just consumes <laughs> everything yeah. and likes it. I used to lie about having migraines as a kid so I could have the chewable purple Advil. <laughs> What sucks is that? so good. My mom used to keep Pepto-Bismol in the fridge, so whenever mm. you drink it, it she literally... She was begging you to. It literally tasted yeah. like a beautiful shot. Like, it, yes. was, it was so Ooh, fucking good. milk of magnesia. It's called milk, and yeah. then it's like, it has that picture of the mint leaf and the Yeah, exactly. Bottle, it makes like, me feel like I'm know, in, like, Greece. It looks like yeah. fucking pink. <laughs> it, it, fat kids are done for. Yeah. <laughs> it, li- it literally looks like pink mercury. Like, yeah, literally. <laughs> that's literally what it looks like. Same consistency. Mm-hmm. Well... <laughs> We've brought you on <laughs> to discuss. I think okay. So here's how, here's how I figure it. I feel like the cutoff for the perfume nationalist of like where you find the culture died is about like ten years before when we think it did. <laughs> mm-hmm. So there's sort of I think the, our our vested appreciation of. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe, maybe I just haven't gone deep enough into the catalog. But like well, I feel like discuss. simple life, and then like. A little bit of like the very first couple years of the 2010s mm-hmm. is where I'm still. I think I was. Um, I'm, I still resonate with that <laughs> part where I think. Oh, I think we're in agreement there because I like the early the early 2010s that were still like yeah. 2000s hedonism, like original Lady Gaga before they replaced mm-hmm. her with whatever person <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's playing Lady Gaga now. Exactly. Was that the inauguration? <laughs> whatever. Crazy. She, like the hedonistic fun. Like when all yeah. the, the pop stars were at their peak. Like. In, like, 2011, I saw Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Rihanna, Taylor Swift, Britney Spears, Nicki Minaj, Madonna. (laughs) Oh, my God. I saw all of them in that year, and they were all fun because they were totally hedonistic. And then, like, Mm -hmm. uh, two years later, uh, coinciding conveniently with Art Pop, which was good, by the way, uh, they uh, all started trotting out their little... They learned what feminism was, and they started trotting out their tales of anorexia and rape. Yeah, and they became totally. Oh, and I saw Kesha. She oh yeah, speak, yeah, speak yeah. of the devil. <laughs> speak of the devil. <laughs> Satanic Kesha, who was, who was exactly. great back in the day. Um, but yeah, they all started doing their anorexia rape, pers- and Lady Gaga got her fibromyalgia, and they kept wheeling her out in a wheelchair. And, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. They replaced her with the new one. Yeah, long story um, short, thank you, Dr. Luke. Yeah. yeah. We, we salute you. Oh my God. Gaga even had that song that was like, until it happens to you or something. Do you remember oh that? God, oh, yes. I, do I think that was like a couple she, years ago, but... Who is asking Lady a, Gaga to sing about fucking police brutality? Yeah. I don't give a fuck what she has to say about it. I, I, I hate her more than all the other ones now. And, and like her... <laughs> Her greatest song was the R. Kelly "Do What You Want" song. Completely, it's a banger. Ever. And the bitch is such a coward. She pulled that from the album. Yeah, and also such didn't release the video because that was when you know Me Too, the early stirrings of Me Too were starting. Mm-hmm. And she had that video. Where it's shot by Terry Richardson with her like <laughs> on a gurney, literally out, being raped by, by R. Kelly, Kelly, saying "Do what you want with my body." It's brilliant. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> <laughs> she, she knew. She knew what the fuck she, she was knew doing. She knew what she was doing. She knew what yeah, the fuck she, she was doing. Like, oh, that would have like, been it. But that would have been great if her career just ended right there. 
<laughs> she just could never come back. Well, this is what I'm saying is that now it's even worse because I kind of wish that she'd done that because soon after that happened was when the all the big pop girls of that time got relegated into being like faggot music where now like the, the market for Lady Gaga used to be everybody. I mean, like it was guilty pleasure for straight people, like for straight guys. Yeah. People listen. It was like radio music, like big time radio music. And now well, with her like being so isolated in this thing, like she's a given up all of the values of being fun and cool and good and also has to be like relegated to where the only people who buy her music are like 14 to 17 year old faggots you yeah. know oh, like that's no. a sad life to live i i get a uh, a lot of hate from people for my defense of lady gaga when at her peak because she's very unfashionable now and people really don't like her with like good reason because she's so embarrassing now. But like <laughs> it was it was a genuine novelty. Like I'm 33 when in like 2008 when Poker Face and Love Game and everything and you started to go into stores and that was playing before that stuff like that was gay and embarrassing. It was a genuine novelty to hear that playing at totally. a store instead of like Creed and you know like disturb, like you know just like kind of generic yeah. like alternative rock Creed. that's what the cult like i remember okay maybe it hasn't aged so well but when moulin rouge came out mm-hmm. it was it was a big hit but it was also something totally new and it was really embarrassing and exciting for people to watch it because now we're all used to drag queens and like glitz and glamour right. and like that's been done to death but in 2001 Everything was very serious, very like kind of staid and like yeah, totally still. Mm-hmm. And Moulin Rouge, being this like postmodern musical, was really that was so confidently gay was exciting and like embarrassing. And yeah, then, like, totally. Chicago came out, you know. Yeah, where people just don't like remember kind of the context of how things felt at the time. Exactly, like, mm-hmm. unless you were there. And now it's really depressing to think that like the thing that's passe is to hear like the one that got away by Katy Perry at CVS Pharmacy. Like that should right. be. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, hearing yeah. TGIF in public should be thrilling still. But it's oh, not. Well, when I saw her in 2011, she was still singing You're So Gay. And there was oh, her discomfort in the audience. Yeah. It, was, it was great. Her best song. Yeah. And her, she made, she holds out the long last note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> her first two singles were both a homophobe controversy. Yes. <laughs> that was it. Great. Exactly. That was why she was, you know, it's hot that like some like Christian bimbo right. just started singing like uh, kind of bimbo, kind of MySpace, like hipster homophobia. And yeah. And then like MySpace bisexuality, like she was good. At the totally. Point. I mean, Warp Tour, Katy Perry absolutely would have called me a faggot. And that's why I like her. <laughs> <laughs> like, probably, I'm surprised they, they probably killed everyone that she interacted with. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she was probably calling everyone a Exactly. And it's not working. No one's buying the records. <laughs> so yeah, no one wants to see her with this like pixie cut. She oh looks my like God. 50 years old now. It's fucking insane. She exactly. did that thing where she like let this film crew into her house when she was promoting that album. <laughs> and it was just her like looking oh. dead, like stirring tea and like crying all day. It was just so depressing. Jesus Christ. Oh I don't ever want to see her without whipped cream shooting out of her tits i don't want to see any of them and like just when i think of like <laughs> when i i saw kesha in 2011 and she was singing about like you know i'll be your jeffrey dahmer like just about eating men 
before she yeah. went totally crazy and you know i was like drunk off of like box wine with my friends in my early 20s and yeah. I was, like i was hitting on this like dad who like had his kid with him and he got <laughs> mad at me like that was where kesha should be exactly and Kesha just like they wheel her out in the wheelchair and she oh, talks man. about being raped and all this stuff it sucks it's horrible mm. it's really it's it's a it's like it doesn't do any of these fucking people justice and now like when i think about the people who are like the big up and comers of pop music now it's like your only hope is to be able to appeal to the last little camp of like people who still think pop music is redeemable at all and not completely right. embarrassing retail music like it's yeah i mean if you think about I, like the absolute best of the best like I mean, if you think about, like, Charlie XCX, like, Kim Petras, or, like, Aisha Erotica, <laughs> are, like, sort of the only three people that I can think that are even operating at a level you know, that's enjoyable. the last one that I even, like, clicked on the album and, like, I was, like, kind of, like, this is good was Charlie XCX, but yeah. still, th- there's not, like, the... The There's no muck in my world that you enter. Like right. everything has been stuck in this like SSRI girl, uh, <laughs> yeah. Billie Eilish, FKA Twigs. Like I'm so depressed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> with, uh, with, with like the post Bjork, like you know, black goo coming. Yeah, out of my totally. Nose. Like that's been ten years of that. Exactly. And, like, the, the and the like, uh, you know, gloomy like post Britney blackout like trap yeah. beat kind of thing. right. Like, it's just been nothing but that and in a way mm-hmm. lana del rey is both to blame for it and like i have you have to celebrate her for doing something that no one else was doing oh. but mm-hmm. it's because everyone else tried to do what she did and failed miserably and is still trying and like spinning their wheels trying to get out where lana del rey was in 2012 right exactly and they they don't get that uh again with like the sort of historical context people would get mad at you if you said you liked lana del rey totally oh my god people would get actually mad and yell at you that's how much she was hated until i guess shortly after ultra violence yeah ultra violence Mm -hmm. got some critics it sort of changed around then but before that people would be like you like her she's fake did you (laughs) know her name is fake and also that she can't sing on snl and also that her dad bought her a career oh my god and like i saw you know the first time i saw her i didn't like her it was i was in san francisco and it was they did the h&m ad where she was singing blue velvet and i was just suspicious like i'm suspicious of everything (laughs) that girls do and i'm like and I was like, this is going to be some bitch, like, doing some bad little David Lynch thing. And then I listened to Born to Die. I was always impressed by the boldness of just, like, calling the album Born, Born to, to Die. die. Yeah. Right, right across the top. And then I was like, oh, this is totally, like, crazy, perverted shit. Completely. She, that's all been normalized by now. But at the time, it was like, oh, she wants to fuck old men and, like, get beat up by guys. <laughs> yeah, and, like, totally. You know? And if you listen to the demos of those original Born to Die songs, too, like, only it was, like... Uh, the thing that was getting shopped around prior to that was all like straight up her being like I love when people beat me up oh, <laughs> like, yeah. she would allude to it in Born to Die in like sort of a cutesy twee more marketable way but like yeah. the pre-chorus of um, Die Mountain Dew is literally like straight up like her like begging to be hit mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy it, yeah. it was so impressive at the time and I was like this is so perverse it was so out of step with yeah. everything else <laughs> right. and uh, all of these girls kind of try to imitate that but without the balls of lana and they're always there's always the cancel brigade of journalists no nothing journalists coming for lana they're like 
actually, it's problematic. No, that's why she was good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that it was problematic because she wasn't singing like Beyonce right. you know, in front of the word feminist. Like, how is that age? Exactly. Piss <laughs> poor. And this is the thing is like when people talk about like the big stars of like the interim period between when Kesha and Katy Perry stopped being good and like the <laughs> arrival of... Mm, sort of like this sort of dark pop thing that kind of populates time now yeah. it was all like the Beyonce's and the fucking like the Solange shit and the whole like everything had to be like oh it's like I'm, I have a clay pot on my head and I'm wearing like a really long flowy thing and whatever like and you know like singing about like abolitionism like who could I'm sorry and that still carries into today mm-hmm. and it's fucking exhausting yeah who wants and, to like, hear be- that like before that before like 2007 or whatever when like Lady Gaga made the kind of like drag like postmodern thing popular uh there was like there were the blondes the Britney blondes which were hated at the time yeah uh people were really really embarrassed and hated Britney Jessica Simpson and Christina Aguilera all of them the journalists and everything they were like this is totally irresponsible and disgusting and then they lavished praise on Avril Lavigne and Michelle Branch and the little like singer-songwriter girls that were like singing about being sad because that was more respectable (laughs) than you know the Christina Aguilera like thong writhing around (laughs) in filth (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) Christina not at her lowest (laughs) right exactly yeah her at her peak she was swinging absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah no I mean it's it's um the way that it's kind of spun out from where Lana was I think is kind of it's it's interesting to see now how she's kind of going back into the ringer a little bit with like this most recent album cycle where now like not she's not like anti-feminist anymore because I don't think anyone can like hold her feet to the fire in that way because of like her success I think in a way is like the financial success of her career, I think, kind of places her in line with, like, girl bossery enough where she kind of can't really be criticized that way. So now she's been pivoting to, like, now she's a white supremacist who's, like, an anti-masker. Well, her, her inherent uh, reactionary qualities always ooze out. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, oh she can't keep her mouth which is why I like She's her. inherently problematic to these people. Like, okay, the good reviews for Lana started flowing in when she did that stupid like Trump witchcraft tweet and then they were like oh it's okay to like Lana um even <laughs> they, though Trump she got the like, weekend totally on the track yeah Lana would like you know and uh so the and then Norman fucking Rockwell got the all the praise because it sounds like anti-American anti-male <laughs> from the title something like that yeah right. it's not really but they they keep like Every time she does those little, like, Instagram videos and, like, you know, uh, is, like, lashing back, her her <laughs> hatred of the fake news media will get her in the end. It always gets her into trouble because exactly. she can't hide her inherent, like, yeah. reactionary qualities. Yeah. And, you know, the boldness of even on her, like, you know, most critically acclaimed album, like, calling Azalea Banks a black narcissist on my back. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They always corner her into, like saying stuff about like black recording artists and she's like no actually i love them like they're, they're like baiting her <laughs> she's like my you close know. personal friend doja cat <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, oh my god she oh can't god. hide it yeah and dude i like that you know oh. she 
as she keeps becoming more like middle American and like kind of looking like a like Bass Pro Shop's wife lately, <laughs> like it keeps Bass losing Pro. out more and more. Yeah, she's the physical manifestation of Bass Pro, Bass Pro Shop. Yeah. <laughs> she's yeah. the personified Bass Pro Shop. I'm loving Azealia right now. All of the things about her. she's like marrying Ryder Rips, and she's like, I'm Jewish now. Oh my god! <laughs> she likes all these, all the Jews lashing out at her. Look, she's she's, re- she's really funny. I like her but she's so mean like what they should somebody should have taken the like i said it but her hand looked like a gremlin hand the other day <laughs> yeah the, 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 the ring picture yeah, yeah. they oh, were yeah, letting her slide a lot like a on gremlin's that i'm scared of her too because she was doing that like cook boiling her cat like i don't fuck with people who like you know <laughs> fuck with like witchcraft like it's yeah. always bad you know those gays that get into witchcraft and then kill themselves like two years later totally like, yeah uh, <laughs> i i trust dazelia with it but pretty much nobody else <laughs> no one yeah. else yeah i just sort of wrangle the powers yeah my favorite azalea moment is still that when she's saging the apartment like saging out you bitches sage you bitches out and the fire alarm goes off (laughs) (laughs) i can watch that over and over again yeah (laughs) she just can see things that no one else can i'm just convinced that she can see some other dimension that we none of us can (laughs) well she just uh really good with words she's yes she's a word like I'll her tell takedowns of people yeah. are just incredibly yeah artic- insanely articulate and funny. which is so crazy because whenever you actually <laughs> listen to her music like every song is literally like hi hi all right hey all right <laughs> yeah. bye and it's like it's right, right, like, not even it's barely lyrical it's post-verbal it is her so post-verbal is more as a as a cultural commentator I'm a comedian exactly. and she musical. she has this podcast and she this quote podcast which is basically where she like <laughs> gets her phone out with her gay best friend in her apartment but she refuses to do this without cushioning it with the, like the most insufferable gay guy you've ever heard in your life oh, <laughs> just, oh my god I was like why are you letting these people in your fucking house her, her songs are truly just like a showcase of onomatopoeia absolutely yeah. onomatopoeia the musical it's very I god I love her but I, th- I thought of her because of when she she called when Lana got fat. She was like, "You got titties like a bear." <laughs> yeah. She goes, "You need god. to stop hitting the Seven Eleven. What you what else you got in that bag, fat girl?" And she's like, "How old? Like twenty seven? I'm always like shocked. She gets younger every time I look up yeah. her age. Totally, I'm obsessed. Been around so long. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, we've been talking for fucking ever, and we didn't even talk about the thing that um we brought you on to talk about. <laughs> Um, we're here, we're gathered here today, ladies and gentlemen, to talk about one of my, I think probably both of ours, one of our favorite shows, one of our favorite pieces of media. Gossip Girl is my favorite show of all time. That's true. Well, Gossip Girl is your favorite. <laughs> um, but this is probably my absolute favorite, my number one. And the reason why I wanted to talk to Jack about it is because he's pretty much the only person who's ever defended this person slash program. <laughs> In uh, basically any corner of the internet, mm-hmm. and it's Queen, Lena Dunham and girls. Queen Lena Dunham. Yeah. Okay. No, I have gotten more <laughs> shit for defending Lena Dunham over the last ten years than any of anything else I have ever said. And before I started the podcast and everything, the only like piece of writing that I ever like got like published, quote unquote, yeah. was a defense of Lena Dunham in like 2014, I think. <laughs> Jim Goad published on Thought Catalog. Nice. Um, and you can see it on my old blog. It's still there. Hilarious. But they, like, the thing about Lena Dunham that uh, sort of infects and pollutes every conversation about her is that people have the 
narrative about her wrong and in the wrong totally. order. Originally, it was liberals that were enraged about her. Conservatives didn't even pay attention or care about her until the book came out and there was the whole, like, panic stir. Right, she, her, like, molested her sister or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the the book is great. But that yeah. was the only time that, like, like Republicans took notice of her. Exactly. And then decided to kind of, like, inaccurately frame her as this sort of, like, body positive mainstream, like feminist psyop thing which exactly. is not true at all because everyone hated her exactly <laughs> right. uh, but i i remember when tiny furniture came out and i said hell no i saw i thought it was going to be some like zoe deschanel like twee thing yeah because of how it was marketed and then i watched it on netflix and then i watched it like four more times on netflix and i was blown away because i was in exactly that situation at the time, I was, like, living in my parents' house, like, directionless, like, in, like, a hipster city, yeah. you know, um, just kind of, like, drinking and just being unflatteringly, like, fat and nude. And, it, <laughs> and like, her, you know, the people don't talk about how great that movie looks. It has a spacey feel. It feels yeah. like 2001, A Space Odyssey. It, it has an incredible look and feel for yeah. it zero budget movie totally the first time that um, i watched it i fell asleep <laughs> and not because it was boring but because it was so <laughs> like it lulls you into this weird like ever like there's so much like negative space both in the way that like mm-hmm. there's so little happening and yet there's also and like it, it gets lumped in with like mumblecore in a way but like it has mm. it's so much fucking more than that and it's like it's the finest compared- achievement of that genre for sure but yeah it, like transcends that genre by totally because yeah you see these like big like Antonioni like vast modernist spaces and then her just like cellulite ass like <laughs> polluting the frame exactly it's great the pl- planetary movement for, no for her parents reason, apartment you know it's it, except for exhibitionism and this is what people chronically misunderstood about Lena Dunham is that her her nudity was part of the like performance art experimental aspect of all of this they all yeah. thought mm-hmm. it was this like body positive thing you could read it as that. It has that effect. Like, I like it because I'm in that middle ground that Lena Dunham's in where, like, you look pretty normal, but, like, <laughs> people get madder about, like, normal people, like, right. showing their appearance online than, like, deformed, like, one-eyed, like, freaks. Totally. Uh, so I really related to it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, I love just the exhibitions, especially in girls when the nudity takes on just a surreal aspect, and everyone was so mad about it. After the episode where she, like, you know, does The Q-tip her, in the ear. The Q-tip in the ear, and she's just, like, walking oh down God. the street in New York, like, wearing no pants. Um, and people were just like, I like the show, but I really wish that she would stop being so nude. And I was like, that's the show. That's the, the point show is of the show. That's nude. why they want to do it. Yeah, like, totally. It's crazy to see too how much like if she the the qual it's not even about the quality necessarily but I think the the um the concentration of like comedic writing like the jump that happens from tiny furniture to girls is like the it's kind of insane like compared to like even like the most like beloved sitcom of today like if like you think about like a Shit's Creek in terms of like jokes per minute and in the sort of dialogue style that's so like millennial babble like the way that Shoshana talks is how like actually every TV character of all these like beloved Netflix shows that's how they all talk now mm-hmm. yeah it's the influence is crazy but also girls immediately struck me um, as being uncannily accurate in a kind of like unflattering way about just the music that like regular people listen to yeah like the soundtrack mm-hmm. is great but it's like like kind of like uncool stuff from like three years ago like mgmt <laughs> yeah. and you know like that <laughs> right. kind of stuff 
I love the, it, that it was that rather than like the golden age of television standard of like choosing a cool old song to right. put over. Every, no, it's like the in, the really overplayed MGMT song from like several years ago. Exactly. Like the, the knife, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. Promise me, you know, like that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. At um, house parties all through college, I used to play the one that they had commissioned for the show that was like, it's my birthday and I want to <laughs> get fucked like it's the first time. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when I first, I don't even know how old I was when I first watched it. I think I was sort of, oh, I must have been in high school or something because it was like at the time that like season four was just starting to premiere. So I was like applying to college at that time and I like was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was like sort of mirroring everything that, that Hannah Horvath does in the show. I was like, I'm going to go to Oberlin. I'm going to go to Iowa. Like all these things, which I would have fucking killed myself if I did either one of those things. No, yeah. the synchronicities with that show and my own life were insane too because the season where she goes to the Iowa Writers Workshop and like drops out and is a total failure. Like that was yeah. that was the exact year that I did like a year of a master's degree in English and then like dropped out like as a <laughs> total failure. It, it's like uncanny and even her like weight gains recently. Like my like Lena Dunham and I are connected in this way. Like her weight yeah. goes up with mine, <laughs> down with mine. Exactly. And, like it's like we need to meet it's like too late at this point because I know. she's just like the rapunzel in this tower that the libs have built and she's probably totally crazy now yeah of course uh, but yeah <laughs> if we had met like 10 years ago we would have had a blast exactly one of my one of my uh one of my oomphies <laughs> tweeted one that they my... were on a plane with lena dunham on it like lena dunham was a passenger on the plane and i was like if i fucking saw lena dunham on a plane i would oh. pay hundreds of dollars to the person sitting next to her and i would have been like fucking move because <laughs> I, I i oh my god and to you have know six she's so in, nice too. oh my god she's, of course she's one of, you know she's got to be so fun oh my god yeah like, it, it's crazy too to hear people talk about her in the way that they do when like she's like a delusional lib like and she, of course she is now but at the time like the original first couple interviews of the first few seasons she's like i've never met anyone more level-headed articulate <laughs> like yeah completely normal and like sort of the only one of the only people at that time who wasn't spewing total fucking bullshit like obama mm-hmm. age bullshit like yeah. She had, like, this a is, sense of perspective on it that no one else did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, th- this is what I'm saying about the history on Lena Dunham being, like, largely unrecorded and inaccurate. And I'm glad I wrote that thing so many years ago, because it's one of the only places where you'll see it. Right. But the in- initially, when I was obsessed with her and followed every single thing she did, listened to every interview, she was not any kind of woke lib. I mean, and this seeps through in the work, which is why people, why libs got so mad about it. You can tell what they called the like casual racism of it. uh, And you know, their panic about everyone being white in it, especially in tiny furniture. That's true, but it's funny. Like it's it's just (laughs) the kind of like realism that you don't see depicted on screen you know where uh the the whatever jessa character in tiny furniture is just like oh not one of the mexicans you know like <laughs> and uh the first season where like her the very first episode where like her asian co-worker is like oh yeah sujin joy lynn is good at photoshop <laughs> oh yeah just no sujin uh, sujin's know, the um the assistant sujin's the assistant who eats a bite of the rose ice cream and quits <laughs> oh yeah and the, even in the second season she was completely trolling with the introduction of that donald glover character 
Because that was in direct response to her being criticized for being quote-unquote racist. And so she introduces this this unlikely black character who's like a Republican. <laughs> and Donald immediately like, kicks, like fucks him with her yeah, the first Yeah, she hits out, fucks him yeah. immediately. And, and, and gets rid of him immediately. And that's yeah. it. it was really funny. And that second season, she was trolling so hard with the, with the race stuff. Most notably with the rape. Uh, the, my Probably my favorite episode of Girls besides the pilot. The the Q tip and the Adam. Oh my god, you know, that episode is so fucking hard girl. to watch. With the yeah, and, and the worst thing is that the just, most horrifying scene is Marnie singing the cover of Kanye West uh, yeah. stronger. Kill me, it only makes me stronger. It's hard. It's <laughs> hard to watch. Fucking great. And then Charlie's so mortified and disgusted that I'm just gonna get another drink. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh god. He's like Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. A little bit cool. Like Oh yeah. He gave up. We have a puppy in, puppy in the conference room today. Yeah. I had um a full pants bath. <laughs> Cuz every time he I see that he's every inch of my jeans. He was trying to be sneaky where he's like let me jump on the couch and lick Nick's back yeah. and he won't know. <laughs> I'm like, if anything, I'm going to know more. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're was, fucking sly licking my back. He was trying to do the thing where he, he didn't want me to like push him off the couch this one time. So yeah. he's like, was like on his back and trying so hard to stay on the couch. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm going to one hand you. <laughs> like, Look, I'm cute. Keep right. me here. Oh my God. Wow. <laughs> so stupid. Like mommy's doing business. <laughs> <laughs> Literally <laughs> retarded. <laughs> he's calm now. Yeah, he's fine now. <laughs> We're, we're recording with the dog at our feet and the dog the whole time you've been talking literally was licking every inch of my jeans <laughs> i'm wet <laughs> completely he's like a one-year-old shih tzu that we got a couple months ago and he just like loves attention yeah but like won't like make a noise or bark like at all just like needs to like lick someone's pants he looks like an ewok mm-hmm. got the podcast dog yeah the podcast dog <gasps> we should get him a little like thought topics t-shirt oh that'd be cute yeah he loves clothes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get him a bomber jacket my cat would fucking kill me if i tried to put a shirt a thought topic shirt on my cat he would murder me yeah i could see that um <laughs> i don't remember what we we're talking about okay 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 we're what? talking about uh, the brilliance of girls. Yes. <laughs> the brilliance that is Marnie Michaels. Um, so, okay. Where, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good place to start. What are some of your favorite episodes? What are some of your faves? Well, the, the pilot itself is one of the most perfect pilots ever made, which is unusual because most pilots are bad. Yeah. Um, but everything is in place. Uh, it's a reiteration of the themes from tiny furniture but obviously expanded outside of lena dunham's mind and experience quite a bit more yeah um and the fact that you like see her like being the introduction of adam uh, the character adam and adam driver at the time was really incredible now everybody's used to him because he's in everything yeah but he looked really strange completely he didn't I don't recall them even naming that character until like episode five. He's just like this like guy that she goes and fucks. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he, man. <laughs> yeah, and he, she's like treated like shit by him. He like pulls down her like uh, gets her on the couch and pulls down her tights and yeah. like sticks his dick in her ass. ass. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she goes and she like knows it's coming and she refuses to acknowledge that it's coming. Yeah, but, yeah. I'm just, and it's, like, re- it's really why grim. Do you need a condom. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's, it's 
quite grim. And yeah. I remember when that came out, like people remarking to me, like, this show is kind of gross. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> Um, well, that was what was so, so weird, too, about, like, when people used to lump it in with, like, the body posi sex positivity mm. thing. There's nothing more sex negative than girls. Right? No. It's, it's so sex negative, feminist negative, millennial negative. Totally. Like, people don't get it. It it was accurately describing the millennial experience to yeah. an uncanny degree. And, like, even when you tell people that now, they, they have this predisposition to hate her so much that they're like, I know it's supposed to be satire, but I still just don't like her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's okay. because it's this, like, this complex story of how a great artist with like genuine vision was just like trampled on relentlessly by the totally. lib media establishment and pummeled into not following her best instincts. Yeah. And now she's just nowhere exactly no she's like making she's like executive producing like the anna delvey documentary uh, yeah and like, <laughs> you know, just get, like got her, has all kinds of fibromyalgia mm-hmm. is constantly still like at her web presence even in 2021 is just like people being like racist like treat, treating yeah. her like she's richard spencer totally you know? when she's <laughs> just like i'm going on a picnic oh and i just listen like, to I'm the so, food fighters this, yeah like so automatic like <laughs> I'm sorry. I have taken your criticisms to heart. I am doing my best to improve. Thank Ev- you. Like, yeah. Every Instagram th- post is like 400 years long. <laughs> Every oh. single one. I can't. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. And you know that how fun she must have been. She's totally. probably still fun, but yeah. how fun In a she different must way. have been. But <laughs> there was this really whole panic over what they called hipster racism at that time. Because mm-hmm. original oh, first-gen <laughs> hipsters, like MySpace era, and like, is anyone up... They were both mean. They said the N word. All of this, like, and the, the, it was this these constant like Vice Media like Jezebel campaigns against Lena Dunham to be like Lena Dunham was once around someone at Oberlin who said the N word casually to shock people. Exactly. It was this big panic over. Yeah. Well, hipster I think that racism. Yeah, that whole thing was. I mean, hipster racism and girls in general. I think the reason, one of the big reasons why it caught so much flack was because it forced a lot of people to confront themselves in a way that they were distinctly uncomfortable with. Right. And like to watch someone play out like their like bloodthirsty careerist drives. Like when Hannah is just like complete, like her dad is like, oh, like I just got her this surgery and she like tr- just completely ignores everything he says and is like, I just got this book deal. Can you send this to our lawyer cousin and blah, blah, blah. Like just oh. can't even, it, it's like, we'll only call her parents when like she needs money. Exactly. <laughs> Another brilliant part of the, the pilot when she uh, she takes the mushroom tea and she's like tripping <laughs> and she goes yeah. her parents have just cut her off um, and she's like you know ravenously eating that spaghetti and uh, she goes <laughs> to their hotel and takes like her book which is just like four three like, crumpled pages like, MS Word. <laughs> like, like, to, to show for like two now. and a half years <laughs> all I'm asking is one thousand dollars a month for the next, next two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god get a job and start a blog yeah. <laughs> I want to sit by a fucking lake <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh they're all so every good. character Be- uh, Betty Ann Baker as mm-hmm. the mother or Betsy Ann Baker I can't remember her name yeah 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 just yep. oh just amazing perfect. 
my one of my other favorite episodes is in the final season, which I actually I I'm always telling people that the last season is like one of the best of all of them. It is, you're correct. And mm-hmm. the gummies episode where the mom takes all the the, gum, the weed gummy <laughs> yeah. worms and is like loose in the city, and they find oh, her yeah. eating a bunch of egg rolls. <laughs> and the last line that she has of the episode is she goes. Every time I look at your baby, I will see my own death. <laughs> and then she throws <laughs> up all the time. I forgot about so that The final season is, you know, I would maybe rank it best after the first season. Yeah. I would go one, one, six, two. Uh, yeah. But the final season, you feel like the prior season, she kind of maybe listened to a bit of the criticism at, criticism and like reduce the amount of like self nudity a bit there's less of that and then the final season it's just like shit her objective is to show her pussy as much as possible without <laughs> yeah. showing it and, like in every episode and yeah the hilarity of how it ends with her uh pregnant with like a mixed race baby with that looks father. nothing like her or like the father particularly <laughs> Well, yeah, wasn't, the, wasn't it, the baby's name like Oscar, like Ro- Oscar. Rover. Rover. Rover? Yeah, but which that, is the that worst name, and she would name surreal. it that. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> the, suddenly there's this Deus Ex Machina where she's a professor. It's like this fantasy of her like being given this magical professorship at yeah. the university, and she has this house, and she's walking around this like Ingmar Bergman space. <laughs> it's a lot like Tiny Furniture, totally nude with her mother. Marnie has these glassy eyes and is having that like phone sex and stuff. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally. Oh my god, I, I like when Hannah comes out with the breast pump machine, <laughs> and Marnie goes, "Okay, mm. Ghostbuster." <laughs> But, like, there's such, like, instinct there, like, satirical instinct from Lena Dunham, whether she knows and admits it, I'm quite sure from her early interviews that she knows, but to end that character in this way where, like, it's every, like, awful's dream... So like yeah. I'm an important professor after doing nothing my entire life, and yeah, I'm a exactly. single mother with a multiracial baby. It's like yeah, really totally. pointed. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean she has all these kinds of like random last minute saves throughout like the whole series, and there's really no, there's never any indication that her writing's particularly good. The mm. only time that you ever even hear it is when she does that moth story at the end of I think season five or four or something like that, and it's like oh, a totally yeah. normal thing where she's just like, oh, I went over to my ex boyfriend's house and I left them a fruit basket <laughs> like that's the oh, story yeah. <laughs> oh yeah and it, when it shows like her social media like in the first season they're really good about like showing her twitter feed and it's always like ate a midnight snack again you know stuff like that <laughs> she it, goes i poured uh, water on my sandwich because i wasn't yeah <laughs> but i ate it anyway because i'm a fucking animal, animal. <laughs> my favorite thing throughout the show and it sucks because i've only seen it once all the way through was shoshana's uh, tokyo arc Oh I think God, that's the most so like, enticing thing oh, to me. It's, it's so fucking good. And some of the shots are just so beautiful in there, too. Yeah. And they, like, yeah. They, that's just a great like use of money that you're given. I think they even said yeah. this. Like, There's no reason for Shoshana to go to Tokyo. They just wanted to shoot something there. Yeah, before. right. And I, she also <laughs> went on record and said that they didn't have any like of the appropriate licenses to shoot there. So they had to keep ducking into like the stores. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Shooting all these public chicks. They're like, we don't have the rights to film in Japan. Well, it's just great. Like, I really like how... How, you know, this is true of like every serialized TV show that plot lines really go nowhere. Like, you know, that's it's obviously how soap operas operate. But yeah. like in Girls, there's this way that no character succeeds at anything. And it's mm-hmm. not romanticized, like really ever. 
Right. Uh, like Shoshana fails in Japan. Uh, Hannah fails at grad school. Marnie is probably the most schizo <laughs> character. Just a failure. Yeah. The marriage to that awful guy. Oh, Desi. Oh my He's, God. Uh, yeah, that character is hard to take. Um, yeah. That to me is why season four and five is so maybe the two of the weaker seasons is because not because of the fact that it's particularly that much worse than the others, but because having to see Desi that frequently makes me homicidal. And what's funny is that didn't they say that he was like so fun to shoot with and like on set, he was like a really cool guy when like his character is a type of character that would get like real life people to send him death threats. Oh yeah, it's completely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't he? It's truly like the worst. And that's the thing is like, he wasn't even that much of a caricature. Like that is... (laughs) To me, like, this epitome of this kind of, like, oh, like, art guy and whatever, which has only gotten worse with the years, and, like, mm-hmm. this weird, like, soft, feminized dude <laughs> is yeah. completely, I mean, it's rampant. Mm-hmm. I was really mad because the second time that I went to New York, which was when Girls was still going on, uh, I, w- I went to some, like, fair, Christmas fair thing, and, like, th- of all the characters to see, I saw him. Oh, Desi. God. uh, You're like, I don't even want to look at you. My magical girl synchronicities continue because uh, it hadn't even aired yet, but we we went to this rice pudding place called Rice to Riches. Uh, And and, um, later, there's a scene with like Jessa and Hannah in that very place, and I was like, oh my god, in Rice to Riches, yes. (laughs) That's awesome, (laughs) yeah. Oh, the Matrix is failing. Totally. Um, I'm trying to think of what my other. Uh, um, I really wanted to talk about Beach House. Oh, too. Beach House, yeah. which I think oh, yeah. Beach House, in a way, is kind of the thesis of the whole show, or at least in terms of like defining the characters. It's like it's create that one fight scene that happens at the very end. Literally, is like the the unchanging nature of all four of the central characters. Like yeah. mm-hmm. that they all is just like it's one where it's just like Shoshana is just not an intellectual, <laughs> and then she gets yeah, defended and- for reading the newspaper on her phone. <laughs> I can tell that, like, from the very start, that character is very cleverly designed because Shoshana's mm-hmm. the normie who will do okay. Like, yeah, right. Shoshana's, like, the type of person that I was talking about earlier that, like, isn't even interested in movies and <laughs> all this right. bullshit yeah, exactly. that I'm interested mm-hmm. in. Like, she'll always, like, have a job, have a husband. Like, those types of people I was always, like, really good friends with. That, yeah. You know, were, like, not, like, creative, like, arty types that were just kind of, like, normal and funny. Yeah. Um, and people who aren't completely draining and exhausting to be around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, I yeah. love that Shoshana's arc ends in her being heartbroken because she doesn't get to participate in Jamba Jeans, the startup that her friends start. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's, like, so pissed because Jessa kept her from Jamba Jeans that you don't see her for the rest of season six until she's literally married and has an entire our new friend circle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the but passage it, of time on this show is really good. Like, I, f- I feel like they are doing, like, the Mad Men thing. Like, Mad Men went further where it's just, like, no plot line goes anywhere. Right. <laughs> Again, like, <laughs> totally. no episode is connected to the previous one at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, like, Girls kind of did that where characters just disappear mm-hmm. and reappear later. Like, and the, um, the kind of, like, stunt casting of Christopher Abbott, where, where she brings him back as a heroin addict. Oh after yeah, they had had this episode. like public falling out, and he left. He left the show. Um, yeah, that was really fun. There was, um, I think, I don't know if it wound up being him. I think that he was like sort of more in agreement with the crew for a long time. But the guy who is like the first person who like Shoshana almost has sex with, and they went to like camp together. Oh, that guy's <laughs> I, hot. 
Yeah, apparently yeah. he, uh, on set that day, like, said, like, they were all on intercoms or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was on with Lena Dunham, and he said, uh, I can't wait to be back on a show that's run by a man. <laughs> and she heard. Oh, yeah. And then he was going to be a recurring character, and they didn't bring him back. They didn't bring him back, no, no. Because, um, oh, like, he was also on Pitch, he was, he was also yeah. in Pitch Perfect, too. He was in Pitch Perfect. Yeah. He's just an <laughs> asshole actor. Quality cinema, yeah. right there. <laughs> um... Yeah, but oh, so, okay. So Beach House, Beach yes, House. definitely mm-hmm. my favorite. It's like Boys in the Van. It's a, it's, it's like a, a little play. It's like a separate little play where everybody's uh, unleashing their antagonism. And I love that that unexplained little dance sequence where they're dancing to to Harry Nilsson. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Called? It's called like "Fuck You." Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You're breaking my heart. Yeah, and the bathing suit, that American Apparel bathing suit that's wedged up her ass. There's some good nudity in that one. (laughs) She's like, "What? It's a beach town." (laughs) But this is how they operate. (laughs) They go spring breakers when they see her in the mirror. (laughs) She just looks so like fucking awkward. Elijah too is one of the very few gay actors that I have any respect in my heart for. Like, I love Andrew Reynolds, and he has turned it out not only on girls, which he's like, I I struggle with most gay characters characters in general mm-hmm. and his is really great and he also has that one on um i haven't seen many episodes of the show but it's called the new normal and she does <laughs> nini leaks from real, real housewives does a monologue of Nicki minaj at a funeral <laughs> you, <laughs> let in the, in, you let you me win you let me ride you let, let me ride, ride. <laughs> and he's like in the audience and lip syncing <laughs> oh like, that the uh he was great. Like I, I like his character less when they make him appear more. I think he was better as like a kind of stunt character that they didn't take seriously. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in the early ones. Like I don't care about his white men can't jump. Whatever he does in the later yeah. seasons, but mm-hmm. like in the early seasons, the first time you introduce him, where where he's her <laughs> ex boyfriend, Hannah's ex boyfriend, that's basically yeah. saying that. Uh, he dated her because she looked mannish. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> clocked like, Hannah's dad for being gay. <laughs> yeah. That was, okay, what people don't get, like, that That was, especially <laughs> in the first season, she's mm. so Woody Allen. Like, the way that she uses herself as the butt of these jokes. Totally. It's complete, especially, like, early comedic Woody Allen. And that scene uh, where he's telling her that she's he's gay and uh, he dated her because she was looked like a man and all this stuff. <laughs> That's one of the most Woody Allen moments of the whole yeah, totally. show. But he's also uh, one of the best episodes that everybody flipped out about when it came out was uh, the cocaine episode. Oh, so um, good. Yeah. Where the nudity was brought to a new level. With the where, shirt. Yeah, where she, she you know, gets an assignment from like Jezebel, a Jezebel journalist something yeah. or it's other. Called, the website's called Jazz Hate. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. This is your comfort zone. This yeah. Is where you, yeah. The magic um, happens. <laughs> this is where the magic happens. I think about that every day. Yeah. And uh yeah, they do the cocaine and then they go out and you know, the the uh Charlie XCX, I don't care, I love it, which became yeah. a big thing after this episode totally. comes on. The use of the music is perfect. Her like bedraggled like mascara streaming down her face, and she trades shirts with that guy. So the best, the iconic girl's outfit of the entire series, I think, is the cocaine episode mesh, yeah, the mesh neon, neon shirt. green tank top. Yeah, where she's like, she <laughs> she's puts her whole head in the totally sink topless. at the party. She like dips her head in the sink and goes, "I hate you." And also, and also like their creepy neighbor, um, Laird, Laird. is following them around. Oh yeah. <laughs> 
She and goes, the, the whole conversation for about like best friendism, like yeah. your best, you know, her antagonism with Marnie about being <laughs> yeah. the best friend. Marnie yeah. goes, "What are you wearing?" She goes, "Oh, a shirt." <laughs> <laughs> so fucking stupid. She's a great actress. She, I yeah, mean, exactly. I think yeah, really underappreciated. She's so underappreciated, but like, I, I think she even like won a Golden Globe for acting. Yeah, that, she which did. She, which there's, she um, really deserved, but there are so many good uses for her. Totally. That, like, like my the physical comedy project, of the whole thing. Uh, my my dream project that I've always had, okay, uh, have you ever heard of Marion Zimmer Bradley, this, like, old feminist hippie author who was I've not. completely crazy? And this is, she's long dead. She wrote a book called The Mists of Avalon that was, like, a feminist retelling of, like, okay. Camelot and all of this that was popular okay. in the 80s. But she was revealed to be a totally, like, sexually abusive, like, pedophile monster who, like, raped her own daughter for cool. like years and all this stuff oh my, God. my dream project is like a biopic of uh marion zimmer bradley with lena dunham <laughs> like starting. really dyke oh my like, god <laughs> she has the pathos i'm telling you wearing she can really get in there <laughs> like, <laughs> wearing a moo. i mean i can't think of like the way that in which hannah walks is like the yeah. it's a physical comedy performance that like is it's unrivaled like i don't know anyone mm-hmm. else who moves like that it's mm-hmm. so crazy it's very like and penguin and like people- secretary mad i i feel like i'm wearing these like they live glasses when i watch it because like straight people and like women got so so mad about just yeah. having to look at her on screen and i'm like <laughs> first of all she's pretty cute yeah she has good tits her yeah cu- her even even though she's like thought of as this like fat actress she's like smooth <laughs> Totally, and like if you think about it, like in season one too, I just did I just did a full rewatch, and I was like, I can't fucking believe if I looked like her, and then I went on like fucking Jimmy Kimmel, and he was like, it's really great, brave how you show your body like that. Oh my god! Oh my god! And then like to go for four more seasons about being like, I guess I'm just gonna keep doing this, even though everyone thinks I'm a fucking whaler. Like I'd kill myself. (laughs) Oh, the the audacity! I mean, the the bravery that that takes. no surprise that she seemingly <laughs> went totally crazy like she she should have really gotten offline for real and just concentrated on producing work seriously but like the, you know that the uh, that really makes you go insane like i yeah. totally think when i started a podcast that the 90 percent of the conversation would be about my appearance it's crazy pretty like unremarkable looking like you know right. and uh but n- that's how it is like with Liam yeah. Dunham, if any person in that kind of like uncanny valley of like they just look like a normal person does something and it's like kind of like <laughs> exhibitionist about it then that yeah. gets people so much madder than if you have like an oozing wound and totally I mean, there was that whole controversy around One Man's Trash, which is that episode with, I always forget the fucking actor's name, but where she goes to his house and is like, it's this little bottle episode where she lives with this guy and like, they fuck for three days and they like, she's there and lives there basically. And like, everyone was like, this guy would never fuck Lena Dunham. Like, she's so ugly or whatever. I was Like, like, are you, first of all, I was like, any person who was like, this guy's a divorced fucking, I, he was, what, like, like 45 or something like that? He says, mm-hmm. like, 43 yeah. or something. There are, you could be truly the most, like, random, like, off-the-street, homely-ass 22-year-old <laughs> walk into a divorced 43-year-old, like, lonely, rich guy's house and, and be, be in that particular situation and, and be sexually aggressive. It would work. 
Yeah. yeah. Welcome to being no. 15 and gay every time. <laughs> right. That was totally, the controversy over that was totally the lady doth protest too much from straight people because straight men, especially like fat chicks that feel kind of inferior because they'll do anything and they're super, you know, what? <laughs> like straight men love that. It's totally realistic that that, that guy was would have yeah. sex yeah. with just some like young, kind of like weird, kind of pudgy girl. Yeah, why not? Yeah, exactly. Who's like quirky. Yeah. <laughs> Who like passes out in your shower and like cries, like <laughs> weep. That's a man's dream. Right. <laughs> yeah, like taking What's not care. Love? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. God, everyone loves a tortured soul. <laughs> Some like random 24-year-old bitch from a coffee shop who like yeah. barges in your house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the controversy over that was just crazy. Uh, unbelievable that people would pretend that that could not happen when like every straight couple every third straight couple i see is like a a guy who's like an eight through a ten with like a five six woman yeah (laughs) who's like like are you kidding me (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly totally i mean it's like it's an archetype it's like these people who are complete and it goes both ways too i mean people fuck up and like people fuck upward mostly Mm-hmm. Like and seriously, and especially when people get trapped into relationships, like there's, you know, there's, there's really no rule as to, I mean, for a weekend tryst that they have where he's like mm-hmm. houses her for a couple of days and then is like, bye, like, why wouldn't that happen? Right. Yeah. So stupid. Uh, yeah. It's a, a buzzword that is passed around a lot because of uh, red scare, but like the abject and people's awareness of the abject and how that intersects with sexuality totally uh, really like uh was faulty in their perception of that episode because i mean people obviously like fucking people who are less attractive than them because you're less self-conscious yeah of course (laughs) it's It's like it's like different than like you know some girl that is like gwyneth paltrow comes in and it's just (laughs) exactly horse legs and right you know she's like thin and hot like like Straight I mean, like yeah, not objectively, like same. Nicki Minaj is hot, but I think very few people want to fuck Nicki Minaj. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. She's <laughs> Nicki Minaj is like the least sexual presence in pop culture. <laughs> Truly, right. like no one talks about like their own pussy more, and yet, <laughs> right? After t- I've, I've heard like, she so doesn't much. have a pussy. Like, no, right. right. Exactly. So Nicki Minaj. Barbie. Yeah, she's Barbie. Yeah. Like, Girl tr- the mound. Truly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Nobody I've even done... knows what her pussy would look like. It would right. Exactly. Like, right. like a, a permanent <laughs> marker line. Right. I've done like a dissertation about her boobs. Like, oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, God. Speaking of boobs, these are the my favorite tits in the whole show <laughs> are um, um, Caroline when she's giving birth in the tub. Oh, she's great. Oh, my God. She has these. Yeah. I can't even begin to describe the disturbing shock value of the nipples that they put on her because I don't believe they're real. I no, pray they they're not real. Yeah. They're like but some they're kind like... of like red pregnancy nipples that they put yeah. on her. But <laughs> she, uh, Gabby Hoffman, she's Viva, the Warhol superstar's daughter. Yeah. And she was like a teen, like child actor for a while. And she was like pretty. And then she disappeared for a long time. And then she reappeared in Girls with like a unibrow looking like a more like caveman version of her mother. Totally. Uh, it's really, really <laughs> cool. But I like, you know, Girls has a kind of hip New York bohemianness that goes back to like the 60s and I like thinking of it as in the same universe as like Midnight Cowboy like Bob Balaban who blows John Void in Midnight Cowboy plays uh-huh. her, Hannah's <laughs> therapist and like I you know oh my God. Hoffman yeah. being Viva's daughter also totally. in Midnight Cowboy I like thinking of it as 
making New York genuinely like cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it's it's it generated a lot of comparisons to Sex in the City in the early days, and there's pretty much nothing that they have in common. No, I mean, <laughs> like, besides, I guess, appealing to like a gay certain men. demo. Yeah, right. Like, like, no, I don't know, woman. but like, Sex yeah. in the City is such a like. I love Sex in the City, especially now that it's so hated. But Sex in the City is such a like frothy, like fantasy kind totally. of thing, and the Girls is a much more like experimental like art project. Yeah. Mm. For for the record, just yeah. for the girls at home, in Sex in the City, who are you? And in Girls, who are you? <gasps> oh, this oh is a, man. I mean, in Girls, I'm obviously Hannah. Same. Um, Hannah. Hannah, Hannah son. Yeah. I have yeah. all those problems, but I'm also the protagonist. Um, (laughs) and in Sex and the City, I don't know. I mean, I feel kind of like I'm Carrie, honestly, because I feel like I'm, like, blessed, like, lucky, like, uh, you know, uh, I I do feel like the protagonist to a degree, but I'm definitely not Miranda, I'm definitely not Samantha, I'm definitely not, who's... Charlotte. Uh, I'm definitely not. Sh- no, I'm Carrie. I'm yeah. Carrie and Hannah. That makes most sense. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a bad combo. Not a bad combo at all. You know, I feel I'm, like I'm smart. Yeah. yeah. I can write my little, my, write my piece. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I sit at home, click clacking, and I have a rent control department. Right, yeah. And I buy a new pair of Blonics every episode. It's great. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like you have a similar um, identity. I'm Hannah, for sure. Yeah. I'm definitely Hannah. I'm, I have sort of a gangly walk, and um, <laughs> I definitely... Um, I have sort of the same uh, 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 narcissistic tunnel vision as her sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but as far as Sex in the City, I'm definitely Miranda, just because I'm sort of mm. prud- I'm sort of prudish, but not in a Christian way like Charlotte. <laughs> mm. I'm uh, neurotic to a point, and then uh, it gives way to total like whorish sluttiness. Yeah, I feel like when it comes to girls, I feel like I have the molecules of both Shoshana. Yeah, you're Shoshish. And maybe Marnie? I don't know, because I don't think I identify as Hannah. I feel like I'm pretty far from Hannah. I can't imagine anyone wanting to identify as Marnie, but there are many a Marnie out there. Right. Oh, there are so many. Just, like, (laughs) her, Marnie's trajectory is just, like, especially, like, uh, distressing and, like, all over the place, because she's, like, the character who has it all together at the beginning, and then it just goes downhill from there, and she's just (laughs) such a, such a loser. Yeah, um, I love yeah, when she gets robbed at gunpoint in the episode where they bring him back, and she goes, "I didn't know that people got like robbed anymore." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, so good. And then and she's that mother, that her York. mother feels really real, like yeah, kind of gross, like bimbo mom, like motherfers. <laughs> yeah, yeah like, and wants literally. to keep talking to her about how she's like fucking a cater waiter and like can't right. stop like trying to start these conversations with like, Marnie, like typical like divorced mom that's like yes. just running to like, her kid. Mom, ew. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid and you've never right. seen sex in the city so i don't think you know who you are i've seen so many episodes but i've been like the right kind of drunk where i don't really remember the exact sure. episodes and i think i like in passing saw part of the movie oh yeah oh the movie is great oh my God. sex in the city too i just watched recently <laughs> oh it's i like fucking sex in the deranged city it's the, so the, good. i really like the early season like the first season of sex in the city where it's very like hbo like taxi cab confessions like they're really playing up the softcore porn 
totally the appeal of it where she's like still smoking everywhere and there's yeah the, there's like the jazzy music and the taxi cabs going by and yeah, like totally they're trying to sell her as this like big like sex pot you know i i love that <laughs> which is and crazy because love, she's like, like the mousiest little dweeb oh yeah the, sjp is is great people get really mad about her but yeah. I, i've loved her since i was a kid hocus she's pocus cute. and she's a She's a perfume of file as well. Cute. Uh, uh, what's his face? Uh, the Bravo guy, Andy. What's his face? Like complained oh. about her wearing so much perfume, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anything Cohen. to make Andy Cohen uncomfortable, whatever. It takes. <laughs> yeah, he's like she wears a lot of perfume. I mean, it smells good, but <laughs> like, um, yeah, she's great. Um, the yeah, those early seasons where it was really like an event thing before cable shows became the phenomenon that they did like originally it was really just like sex in the city and to a lesser degree oz and then sopranos and Mm. it was such an event and those original like dvd cases those like transparent plastic like gatefold things yeah and were so like luxe and cool totally I saw you, you said this the other day that you said that there's no one, no male character on The Sopranos is hot except for Artie Bugo, who's a loser. <laughs> yeah. Oh they, <laughs> you know, Sopranos is so like in with all the like online leftist people and everything. You see constant Sopranos talk, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's unusual because I have like zero standards when it comes to men. And the, yeah, that's a really <laughs> distinctly unsexy cast. And yeah. Like. Yeah, like women do the thing like Tony is like powerful and like violent. Yeah. I find so Tony like, but, uh, like objectively like, just truly hot. Like I don't know why. You just find him hot? Yeah, I See, don't know there's what something about like how it always shows him with like diarrhea and like gas <laughs> in this horror, you know, like like I really it's really demystified yeah. and like too realistic. Like totally. he's all oh Hannah-ish. Like, yeah, definitely. Just Tony Soprano way. would be Hannah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tony yeah, Hannah, Hannah is the Tony of like, the Sopranos universe. It's really funny how like they um on Sopranos, they oh, always like the way that the sex scenes are positioned make you think that like Tony has like a twelve inch dick. And, like, <laughs> he's like sliding across the room. Like this. <laughs> it's like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this poor girl in the office. She's like, like slamming the shit off the counter. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's like, like her nineties no. computer is like falling all over the floor. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. way. No there's way. no shot. There's no, no shot. Way. He can't even see it. It's like <laughs> it's just not even. There's no way. It's yeah, turtle. I'm sorry, Tony Soprano yeah. has five. 5.5 inches yeah exactly. tops max uh, yeah yeah on a good day this and then Chris, I, attraction sexy yeah <laughs> christopher Milzasanti is semi-hot to me but not quite i would he's he's disgusting but <laughs> like that is, when they show his like hairy like thighs and the boxers <sighs> like i'm like okay yeah that yeah um, does, there's a huge like, difference so, between like they're hot and I would. Yeah, well, that's a totally other. Yeah, yeah. Is it, it's, it's yeah, two different games. I would. Yeah, yeah right, that's two yeah. completely different conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Different <laughs> well, candidate it's pools. Just like Sopranos, most of them, it's kind of like I would with a skeptical tone, but yeah, which is just I unusual would. for me. Right. I like look like I'm like man crazy. Like I've never looked a man in the eyes. I just look at, straight at their crotch. <laughs> with anyone at all ever. and sopranos i'm like wow these men are like uniquely like desexualized for me for some reason yeah um, well because they're all kind of a little bit muppety like if you think about like yeah. um there's something about uh paulie and silvio that they literally look like 
members of the Muppets band. Like, yeah. <laughs> they have a sort of, like, big lip, kind of, like, puffy uh, softness to them. And even like really the, deranged. And even, like, the attire just looks like a little Joanne fabric. Like, someone just stitched a little oh, yeah, Muppet yeah, yeah. outfit. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> just a little piece yeah. of felt. Right. Mark Yoko yeah. is hot as hell. He's the only one. That I'm oh, God. Well, Especially that's because he looks like, like John Waters. He's midlife crisis and gets the earring. Yeah. <laughs> he looks really gay then. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's any other girls things I didn't hit on. Mm-hmm. What time are we at right now? Uh, yeah, we're probably at a decent time. Decent actually. time. One thirty. Hello. Nice. Jesus age. Um, is there any other moments that you need to cover from girls? I just uh, every time we rewatch girls because you have it all on DVD. I've That's seen right. the first like three seasons, maybe like five times now, but I've only seen. Like, season four and onwards, like, truly once. The first couple episodes of the fourth season where she goes to Iowa really are tough to get through. And it's mm-hmm. not even... Again, it's not that they're particularly bad. It's just seeing Hannah alone and, like, doing this kind of... um Like, it's, yeah. it's weird because they're very rarely together. Like, the characters are barely ever in the same room except outside of a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. But when Hannah's truly on her own... It sucks. And, like, when Elijah shows up for that party that they have there, it's, like, inexplicably the yin-yang twins, even though it was 2015. Mm. (laughs) I just, like, I don't... Like, that was such a relief. The Iowa episodes is that, like, the satire is not as barbed as it should be. It's, like, the, Mm -hmm. the, the liberal arts, like, creative writing classroom, like, they're going for it, but not really. They're not really... It's not like the the Todd Salon's like storytelling creative writing classroom. They played it safe there. Yeah. And it's weird too, because in um, the other early Lena Dunham, the creative nonfiction, she does some like create, like creative writing workshop scenes in that one. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah, are I like, I love that movie. It's yeah. Like furniture DVD. I, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, it's like, yeah, that one is even better. Is awesome. Yeah. Uh, I always defend uh, the inclusion of Tiny Furniture and Criterion as one of my favorite of their selections. Totally. And that was even before they started affirmative actioning women in every month. And people get, still get so mad about it. Like, like normie, normie kind of film people are like, Alina Denim movies included. In the <laughs> I like got into a fight about it with someone the other day. I was like, no, it's great. You're it is wrong. good. It's yeah. cool. It's You're also a cool wrong. DVD with a cool cover. Yeah, sorry, you're a fucking loser. Fucking wrong. Yeah, Lena Dunham movie. No, shampoo <laughs> is the worst movie in the Criterion collection. Everything's yeah. great. Yeah. This is gonna make me want to buy like so many DVDs on Amazon. I know. Right now. Like, yeah, dude, I have a big fucking list on Amazon, and I keep being like, "Well, it's still there. Like, if I want it, it's five dollars on Amazon, but it's not gonna be there." I'm so thankful that I had an older sister that was like four years older than me, because now I was handed down like the family heirloom. So what I have on DVD is like Devil Wears Prada. Uh, like Legally Blonde <laughs> 1 and 2, I have the cheer book, the cheer book of bring, all the Bring, bring It Ons. It on. <laughs> so oh, I have yeah, all yeah. four in the Bring like, It Ons on the way out. We just watched those recently. Yeah, and there's oh the, my God. The, oh, the, yeah. the retard jokes and the black the, the people racist jokes. jokes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was the first crazy. DVD I ever rented when I got a PlayStation 2 and nice. I, like, played DVDs. <laughs> bring It On was the first DVD. It's but a great movie. Girls is so hated that... Like, HBO does, like, every TV show does a complete DVD series box set, like, immediately. And Girls are so mm-hmm. hated that they didn't even bother yeah. to do that. I have all mm-hmm. the, yeah, the, the single uh, yeah. seasons, yes, the one by all one loose in my, on my bookshelf. I think that's the only full series I own. I don't own TV. I only own, like, truly, like, rom-com I don't ever want to, I, I don't know. I'm bad about movies. Every movie I ever watch is my new favorite after I finish it. And I also <laughs> never want to watch it again. <laughs> well, the, one of the things that drew me to Lena Dunham early on was her 
taste in movies and TV shows and her references. And she said early on that the inspiration for girls was Mary Tyler Moore, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and Maud, which yeah. are all great, uh, you know, kind of unlikable feminist shows of the 70s. Yeah. And so if you like girls, explore all of those. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, dolls. I think that, that might be a good place to leave it. I don't. Our 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 listeners' attention span is <laughs> pretty small. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're working with a lot of chaotic, retarded faggots. So hey, you're, uh, this is feature length. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is a we really length. got it. Yeah, we got a good one. Maybe. We are a, a true <laughs> movies length. Yeah. <laughs> Another classic in the bag, bitch. Nice. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining us, and yeah, I appreciate thanks. it so much. I'm so excited for you guys to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Great. It was really fun, and I uh, love any opportunity to set the record straight about <laughs> exactly right. So right. I don't want to hear it no more from you, fucking little homos. This is the thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. this, uh, just one last thing. <laughs> this is the thing. One last thing. <laughs> I've been seeing. There's been sort of a girls' renaissance happening on the timeline recently. I don't know if you've noticed this, but a couple of people have been kind of doing where like the scene from Beach House is kind of making the rounds being like, I love the scene. And like, it's like, what is this? Oh, it's Lena Dunham. Oh boy. Oh boy. You know? And like all this, like it's kind of, it's coming back because people are talking about it and they're ready to talk about it. If like eighth readers find like like, girls. (laughs) Sure. I guess I should be a good sport and be happy about that. But I've like suffered just like the, you know, just passion of the Christ for eight years. You guys don't fucking deserve it. And flayed by people that are just like, you suck because you like Lena Dunham. And I'm like, no, I'm right. And you'll realize it later. Yeah, I get exactly. a lot less of it now because, you know, we did the, the Lena Dunham episode in the first season. So a lot of people have watched Girls because of that. Yeah. And, realized yeah. It's and have come around. Yes, exactly. But yeah, the, the shit that I took for defending Lena Dunham and like the, it, the three derangement <laughs> syndromes of the 2010s were Lana Del Rey derangement syndrome, Lena Dunham derangement syndrome, and Trump derangement syndrome. And yeah. the kind of reaction that favorites. normies would give you was the same for all <laughs> totally. of Totally. Where like girls. guys would like, peak girls, I would say, I really like girls. You should watch this. They would get furious and they would never having watch it would say oh that like hipster racist white girl totally i'm like yes 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 that's what i'm talking about yeah (laughs) exactly i'm I'm recommending you enjoy the racist you should watch the hipster racist white girl it's really fucking funny it's fucking amazing and and maybe you'll learn something so this is what i'm saying i've also said because of this there's been like this other thing where people are saying it's like a psyop that now people are trying to convince you that lena dunham's on like a redemption arc i want to i hear this now hear me loud and clear It's time to enjoy it, and it's time to right the wrongs of history, where we hate Euphoria and we love girls. <laughs> Euphoria was so Euphoria. good, though. <laughs> oh, I mean, I watched the first season, but it's Me too. bad. It's it's like I liked it. I loved that, it on the first I, I cast because I was blind. Whatever that Christmas thing was with her, it's so in the diner. Like it's oh, so I never, affected. I didn't watch the new stuff. I didn't yeah, watch that. it's yeah. it's, it's blinding. And then I watched it on the second pass, and I was like, this is. It's it's directed like a YouTube video, like it's directed in this way that's so like um, it's almost like a BuzzFeed video, like a BuzzFeed clip of people like playing beer pong or something. And then it's yeah. also done in this way that's so it's it's like it's kitty porn. It didn't make me feel weird that I found out that Drake um funded it. Drake did fund it. Who no yeah, yeah notorious kid yeah. fucker Drake. Yeah, but that he's a kid himself. To, like it's like Greg Araki. Like it, you're supposed to think it has the right cool like references, but it's so like girls is so connected with 
experienced reality that people absolutely hate it and like find it blinding and then euphoria mm-hmm. has nothing to do with anyone the most jaded drug adult zoomer i do not believe that their life has anything to do with you know yeah. anything in common with euphoria oh my god this is just like me do you yeah. do you pounding on someone's door begging for fentanyl like like yeah. actual like drug addicts like that i'm like, like articulate there. you know totally i hate her like inner monologue where it's like i do drugs because of the pain and i'm smart i'm too smart to not be addicted to drugs yeah, calculus like, is no, so hard drug addicts yeah. are just like bugs that are just Total- you know, the worker <laughs> yeah they're not self-aware no yeah, yeah well, like- <laughs> do you want to know a great hbo show about a lovely cast of women I do. Tell me all about it. It's called Big Little Lies. Oh, so true. <laughs> oh, first season is legitimately good. Second Banger. season is gay. Second season's Instagram questionable. Crap. The second season is literally drag race. But first season, front oh. to back, is like <laughs> masterpiece. Is I mean, yeah. Yeah, Reese is so good, and yeah. and they're mm-hmm. they were like trolling with that. Like the the second season undoes everything good that they did in the first season by making it all about like oh nicole kidman was traumatized first season is total sleaze where she's having like the hot like rape sex with a guy <laughs> and it's like turning you on with that like yeah and then second season it's like oh no we didn't mean that it was actually trauma <laughs> It was actually the trauma. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a documentary. Yeah, it definitely wasn't sleazy softcore porn on HBO. It was trauma. It was was really hard. (laughs) Yeah, this is what like jacked off in front of Alexander Skarsgård on the laptop. That was like trauma. Yeah, they're they're like, we want this to be clear. Nicole Kidman is the main character. Okay, that's right. Yeah, yeah, the narrative will be controlled by her. The (laughs) season three of Big Little Lies includes. The original cast, Meryl Streep and FKH Wigs. Oh, Meryl Streep is such a monster in that second like the, the Meryl Streep monster. She's just like this parade float that they just yeah. oh, God. in and it she's was like so bad. Imagine getting like a full like NFL player and then putting him on like a high school football team. That's what Meryl Streep did in season yeah. two. They're like just she fucking they're like just she dog walked those she pictures. She dog walked the opening of an envelope. <laughs> <laughs> God, <laughs> brutal. And yeah, someone was like, "Yes, Queen, here's your nomination." Yeah, totally. Meryl <laughs> fucking tree. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, there's where we stand on the issues. <laughs> you heard yeah. it all. In yeah. The final five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> fucking watch good shows. Damn it. Yeah, exactly. Step it up. Yeah. Because I've had it. I really don't want to be forced to watch another season of Euphoria, and I'm gonna have to. You know, oh. back to one last thing about the media thing. Does it apply to video games? Because I still own every fucking video game. Oh, yeah. Like I've ever I mean, bought. even for yeah. shit I don't own any yeah. uh, systems. I don't own anymore i, I keep yeah, the games they're doing away i mean they've already mostly done away with physical games which the idea that's of like scary 70 dollars for just like a file that you download is insane like i don't really play anything anymore yeah but yeah. i like my ps3 because i have like all the ps1 games downloaded yeah. Yeah. on it <laughs> but right. now the like reverse compatibility and everything seems to be less of a thing yeah mm-hmm. well now it's kind of they're doing this thing where they'll like bring back a classic game from the dead for like a month and then they'll take it away again which is like yeah. it's weird this weird curatorial thing where like the real good like the real hits of like ps1 time like you'll never see again yeah. and they'll just give you the like sanctioned greatest hits like the ratchet and clank like <laughs> yeah, whatever, yeah you know? the really bad stuff ps3 was like the last great generation that i liked because that machine which was six hundred dollars was supposed to be this like 
multimedia machine of yeah, the future. Crazy behemoth. Did, you know, yeah, Blu-rays, <laughs> internet. What I, it was like this time before smartphones, and it's really cool for that reason. And they're yeah, very yeah. open about like uh, reverse compatibility and like uh, letting you buy old PS One and PS Two games yeah. to play on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Have, PS3, Xbox 360 was I a great a, era. Def, definitely true. Mm-hmm. I have a PS5 and I have the digital one because I'm fucking stupid and I wanted to save a hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and I, it's like the it's, the experience is just so much more neutered to be like, oh, I'm like, it feels like downloading a PDF. It's like there's yeah. nothing exciting about it, and it also it makes me almost <laughs> want to not try on the game as much. Like oh. to be like, if I like fun, if I gave sixty dollars away to Nintendo, I'm sitting. No, no, it's no. it's gonna yeah, be the, weeks the of my life. Of like, PS1, which is my eternal era of uh, opening those Squaresoft RPGs with the, like, four discs and those, like, big jewel mm-hmm. cases yeah. and yeah. the booklet, <laughs> like, that just, you can't experience that. But, like, right. it's still, it feels like video games have not developed or changed much since the PS2 era. Like, that was the last True. big leap for graphics and, like, current graphics. I know they're more... Like the the worlds are bigger, or whatever, but they still look essentially like PS2 yeah. Graphics. It's like Pokemon still looks like shit. Sleek in a way. Oh yeah, Pokemon yeah. looks like shit, girl. Pokemon will always look like shit. I thank God. <laughs> thank God for that. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, we've this has been the Homer's Odyssey of uh, uh <laughs> of called, topics. Yeah. yeah. Lena Dunham, the PlayStation Five, and <laughs> <laughs> all things in between. Yeah. Um, Coca Cola. I appreciate you joining us, and we had a blast. Oh, and thanks so much. Thanks for talking fun. to us. Um, yes. I'm gonna stop recording and amazing. Bye. Bye. Bye.